You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. It is a pleasure to welcome to Easy's Community Focus, Maggie Hansen, the Chief Nurse Executive Senior VP at Memorial Health Services, one of a handful of hospitals that have been given allotments of the vaccine for COVID-19. And Maggie, we spoke to the mayor of Broward County last week, and he was explaining how it's very difficult to know how much of the vaccine we're going to get at any time, who it's going to, other than the priorities, which were the frontline healthcare workers and seniors. So we know you had some, and then you got booked immediately, like through February, for vaccine appointments. So how are you handling people as they come in? I know there's a lot of nervousness about it. How do you talk to them about the vaccine and explain exactly what they're getting and what it will do for them? Well, we have the wonderful opportunity to have been prepared because, you know, we looked at the vaccine as liquid gold. We anticipated and hoped that we would be one of the first healthcare systems to receive it. So we were prepared. One of the things that we did in the process of preparing for all the details of handling our liquid gold is to prepare for an appointment system. And the healthcare workforce, our medical staff, and when we were able to open up to people that were 65 and older, you know, became aware that they could schedule their appointments, we built into the systems opportunities to educate them about what they were going to be getting and what to expect. For the majority of the people that received vaccine in our healthcare system that, of course, were already patients of the Memorial Healthcare System and affiliated with us as far as being staff or medical staff, they were able to very easily sign into the MyChart system, which is my chart is my medical record of what I've received as far as care, test results, et cetera, in the healthcare system. So it's very easy. You just open the my chart system. You have access to information about the vaccine, the frequently asked questions. If you want to research right there in my chart, you are able to do so through links. And I know a lot of people did that. Then there's a screening questionnaire in the MyChart, which saves everybody time. It also educates the person that is going to receive the vaccine on the things that they need to be concerned about when they're registering. And then they're taken to an open slot based on the availability and then their needs as far as being able to get to us to receive the vaccine. So it's very easy through MyChart. Right now, we have two pods open. A pod is a point of distribution. We have one out in Miramar and one at the conference center at our main campus at Memorial Regional Hospital. And you can choose among the pods. And like you said, you know, vaccines become available and then we run out of vaccine and so we have to close down the spots. For the people in the community that do not have MyChart accounts, it's very easy to create one. You do not have to have been a patient in the healthcare system, but if you go to the MHS webpage, mhs.net, you can find the MyChart login information so that you can create an account so that when there is vaccine available, 
you'll be able to quickly get an appointment through my chart and follow along that process that I just described, which is very, very easy. If you can't do that and some people are unable, then we do have a scheduling line to call in. But of course, when vaccine becomes available, there's a lot of competition. And so yes, I understand. even though we've hired many schedulers, still there may be a little bit of a wait. How will people know when you get a new shipment? Will they receive an email or do we have to watch for the press conferences? Um, we will put out several forms of communication. You know, even when we put out an internal communication, it immediately becomes excellent. External. So we will put out multiple forms of communication. And of course, our website is a good place to go. It's just easy to get to www.mhs.net and you'll be directed around. There will be more vaccine becoming available. And like you said, it's not 100% predictable, but we have learned that once we get our tracking numbers that it's coming and we prepared to push the button for opening up appointments. It's been fun. You know, we opened softly in mid-December as, you know, being the recipients of the first vaccine. And just within days, we were able to open up our appointments to 65 and older. We received 19,500 doses, our first allocation. But of that, we shared doses with our competing hospitals. We took care of five or six other hospitals that were not in our healthcare system. We were custodians of the vaccine, followed the vaccine because we were responsible for it to their hospitals, ensured that all of the details were followed that we knew needed to be followed so that no vaccine was lost and it was cared for appropriately. I love that you're being collaborative. Um, It is a beautiful thing. And the appreciation is just, it's wonderful, the appreciation, because it's really all about the better good and getting to the end of this pandemic. And if we are all competing with each other and hoard vaccine, we will never get to the end. We have to get as many people in the community vaccinated as possible. And we look forward to receiving enough vaccine that we can open up beyond the healthcare professionals and the 65-year-old community members. We look forward very soon to open up to people at high risk of contracting COVID-19, which, of course, we all know are people with comorbid conditions like immunosuppression, cancer, diabetes, things such as that, because we want to never see patients get so sick that they require hospitalization from COVID-19. And those are the most likely to need to be hospitalized. Are those part of the screening questions that you have to answer when you are scheduling your appointment? No, not yet. But that's a very good question, Ellen, because we are prepared to pull that information from the electronic medical record to be able to schedule people for the vaccine that do have comorbid conditions. Because a lot of people will say they do to get the vaccine, right? People are scared and they want to get the vaccine. I wish everybody was so scared that they want to get the vaccine. And we should talk about that a little bit, too, Yes, because there are a lot of people that fear it. But we've already built into our technology the ability to identify the people that need the vaccine or to be able to receive accurate information from the people requesting a vaccine so that we're giving it to the right people first. Because right now it is a priority. You know, it's, it's set up as far as a priority system, and we have to make sure that we honor that. You know, we take our direction from the Department of Health so that we can continue to receive the vaccine. We have to do things correctly. It is an easy process. I mean, I have to tell you, for the naysayers, the people that have fears, the process is easy. Once you get to the vaccine site, you're in and out within 30 minutes, really. 
You can't even get in and out of a physician's office that quickly, <laughs> right? Know, yes. You, right. You, you're literally met at the door with this person with a smile on their face, and everybody's there smiling because they're so happy that this liquid gold is being, you know, distributed at no cost. Right. And they're very quickly screened again because we don't want to have anybody coming into the vaccine center that could possibly have COVID. And we have set up a process of then handing the person off to the registration. People are kept physically distanced through this whole time, and registration literally takes 30 seconds, and then they go to the vaccination pod, which is fairly private, and then they receive their vaccination, and then they're taken to an observation area, and the observation time is only 15 minutes unless a person is concerned or they're they're feeling some side effects, and usually they're just side effects from the, you know, the anguish that comes with vaccines for some people. Yeah. Yeah. And then they're sent on their merry way. And sometimes they even have their appointment already made for their second vaccine before they leave because we have iPads set up and people there to help them make their second appointment if they're not so sure that they'll be able to do that on their own device. That's so smart. And that second appointment, that is so critical. Yes. I mean, immunity for the Pfizer vaccine, immunity begins to develop on day 12. And you get your second dose on day 21, and the full immunity is reached by day 28. Full immunity means 95% of people are fully immunized and and will not come down with COVID-19 acute illness. And with Moderna, which we will be getting Moderna also, immunity starts to develop at day 14. The second dose is given on day 28, and full immunity is reached on day 42. So you have some immunity without the second dose, but we don't really know how long lasting that is and why have some when you can have that 95% certainty that you're not going to get COVID-19. Exactly. And if it takes 12 to 14 days to start to become effective, you can Mm -hmm. still be infected during that time, right? Well, you can be infected, yes, and you can be asymptomatic, and you can be a spreader. So it's very important. I'm glad you brought that up. You've done your homework. (laughs) You can be contagious to other people and not know it and be spreading it. So some people think that they can take off their mask and that they're finished with those measures that we should have all been taking all along because they've had their vaccine, and that's just not true. We haven't been dealing with the aftermath, good effects of the COVID-19 vaccination for long enough to know how contagious you can be if you're an asymptomatic carrier. What the vaccine does is it just prevents you from becoming ill with COVID-19. COVID-19 can get into your body, but your vaccine creates an immune response so that it doesn't spread throughout your body. Okay, but you could still be carrying it and pass it on. Yes. Wow. So you must still wear your mask. And, you know, two, we don't know who's been vaccinated and who hasn't. So we could have an anti-masker out there who says he or she has been vaccinated and they have not, you know. So it's just that our culture of using these measures needs to remain in place until enough people have been vaccinated that we're no longer spreading this disease. And that's going to take a while. We just have to be patient. We have another huge, wonderful tool in the toolbox now in this battle against COVID-19. We have to have as many people using this tool as possible 
but also not forget that we need to physically distance. I don't say socially because we can stay socially connected, but physically apart. We need to wash our hands, wear our mask, avoid crowded places and close spaces. Kids are doing it better than some of our adults, I have to say. Really? That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, you know, I, I still go shopping and I see kids wearing their masks and their parents wearing their masks below their nose. And right. that's just not effective. Right. And I guarantee you, none of them have been vaccinated. And even if they weren't, they should have been wearing it up over their nose. And you know what else I would like? For you to address, you were talking about the pods, which is points of distribution, but there's another kind of pod that's been referred to, which is your family pod. And that's, you know, your own household with whoever lives there. That's your pod. And depending on how good you are about not going out too often and keeping your social distance and wearing your mask, you're pretty much safe within your pod. But I know people who think their whole family, no matter where they live and how many there are, are a pod just because they're family. No, you're right. Thank you. No, 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 no. No, being a blood relative does not mean you're not going to share the virus. No, 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 no. It's what you can see and control that gives you that safety net. You are 100% right, you know. (laughs) I mean, even during the holidays, my children, before they visited me on the holidays, they tested and they tested and they tested again before they came and spent time in my household. I did the same and we still did not hug and kiss each other right. because testing is a point in time. You know, it doesn't mean that if I test negative today, it doesn't mean that I tomorrow would not test positive. Exactly. I might test positive tomorrow. So. Yeah, it is. And that's why we are seeing now the rise in COVID cases as a result of the Thanksgiving gatherings. You know, we're almost at 300 in our healthcare system right now, whereas we had gotten down to the 100 mark of people hospitalized with COVID-19. My goodness. In our main sur- in our big surge in July, we were like 680. So we're not at that point now. But what we are doing right now is providing other normal health care to people, whereas we had those services closed down in July. So we are very interested in getting people vaccinated, keeping people up with their practice of the scientific measures that we know work. We're interested in teaching people about the vaccine so that they don't fear it and that they get it. This mRNA vaccine is like so cool because a lot of the fear that people had of vaccines before related to the concern that vaccines had a weakened or inactivated piece of the virus in the vaccine. Mm -hmm. And that is true. They did in the past, but mRNA technology came around with cancer care. It's tried and true. And these vaccines, the vaccines for COVID-19, use mRNA technology. They're made in a laboratory. They are not a weak or inactivated disease piece. They just go into your body. They create, for this particular vaccine, they create a spike protein that looks like what is found on the surface of the virus that causes COVID-19. That's that little ball with all the spikes that we see everywhere that we're getting tired of seeing, right? I'm just, is it really that pretty under a microscope? (laughs) I think so. I think so. I don't know. I think we could probably glam it up a little bit. We probably could. Yeah. Going back to what you mentioned at the very beginning about getting 19,500 doses, I wanted Mm -hmm. to be clear on that. Each vaccination is two shots. Is that considered two doses or a dose is two shots? You should have 
worked for us, Ellen, because that is a question that we posed like several times over. Um, and because of the uncertainty and this being very new and fluid and changing, we asked that every time. But now that we have been reassured and it's been proven out that that the 19,500 was the first dose. And we would be provided the second 19500 for the second dose. And we're administering our second doses right now. So we did receive the second allocation of 19500 to cover our second doses in our healthcare system and to share with our other sister and brother hospitals across South Florida so that they would have second doses. And when we do get to it, I want to talk about side effects a little bit. I've heard about some of the side effects, but I'd rather hear it from someone who is in the medical industry. Sure. So side effects aren't necessarily reactions, okay? People kind of interchange those words sometimes. And side effects are things that we often expect. And there are expected side effects with the vaccine. A reaction can be severe and can require treatment. We have given over 10,000 vaccinations just in Memorial, and we have only had two reactions where we were concerned enough that we sent the person to the ED. Now, those two people were seen in the ED and quickly turned around and sent home. They were fine. Okay. Okay. But everything else has just been a side effect. And then when people feel a side effect, sometimes they get anxious about it. And, they're, you know, the mind and the body work together, so the heart rate goes up or they feel right. like their blood pressure is going up. And we're all set up for that. You know, we have emergency response boxes. We have Epi. We have Benadryl. We have stretchers. We have blood pressure machines and everything on site so that we can assess. And we have RNs on site that manage that whole process. But on the first vaccine, there's very few side effects, okay? A little soreness at the site. It feels like a tetanus shot. You know, tetanus shots sometimes are a little more painful at the site than a regular vaccine. But this one honestly feels like a tetanus shot, and that's not just from personal experience. I've heard it from others. The second one, more people do experience expected side effects, like a low-grade fever, chills, headache, body aches. But all of that is your body building an immunity, okay? That's the soldier standing up and getting ready to fight. That's the soldiers teaching your immune system to recognize that COVID-19 could enter your body, that that little viral particle with the spike proteins on it, and it creates those side effects. It's something that really should be celebrated. And we're seeing that. I have colleagues who have experienced nothing with the second vaccine, and I have colleagues and including myself, that have experienced some of those side effects. I knew it. I knew it could happen. So when I experienced my own side effects 12 hours after I received my second dose, I knew what was happening. And I actually, even though I didn't feel very well, was glad because I knew that my body was doing what it needed to do to be able to protect me from becoming ill from COVID-19 because I know I've been exposed to COVID-19. I know I will be again, even though I'm very careful. It's very likely in my business. And I'm so happy now that my body is in that process of reaching full immunity. That has to be a huge relief for all of the frontline healthcare workers. I mean, what you have dealt with in this last year 
is mind-boggling. And the fact that you all keep getting up and going and doing it again day after day, despite all of the misinformation, the disinformation, the conflicting information, people protesting at the doors of hospitals, which in my life I never thought I'd see, um, and then having to deal with people who are so sick especially at the beginning before we knew anything about treating it in a better way. It's got to be just heartbreaking and, and even losing people that you worked with, you know, people in the, in, the, in the medical industry who've been taken by COVID. So what's the mood like now? You know, we're just about at the end of January and we're going to get that spike when we're probably already seeing it from Thanksgiving and New Year's or Christmas yeah. and New Year's. Yeah, it's hard. I mean, initially back in March, it was shock and disbelief. We went through that phase where like, oh, my God, you know, we went through H1N1 and we had the SARS um, sort of pandemic. So we thought it was going to be like that, but it wasn't. This is something that hit us hard. It came at us fast. There were no tools in the toolbox. There was no real plan of care. So it was very difficult. It was shocking. But, you know, like you said, nurses and doctors, they just keep going at it. They are not weak. They will do whatever they have to do to work through the situation. They worked and they worked and they worked. We have developed treatment plans that are working better than what we had initially. But there is still no cure for COVID-19. It's still a treatment that is symptomatic. I mean, we have remdesivir. We now have the monoclonal antibodies that are treating people that don't necessarily need hospitalization. But when a patient is so sick with COVID-19 that they need to be in the hospital, their course of disease can be still very surprising to the staff and disappointing because we, we go into healthcare to make people well. Or to help them out of this world when we know that they no longer can be well. But it was shocking for them professionally. It still is because they still see a lot of morbidity and mortality. And that gets old, okay? It's demoralizing to be able to work so hard to try and get a patient well. And then they still maybe don't get well or they leave not, you know, fully capable as human beings like they were before they became well. It's demoralizing. And then, of course, they'll go home and they still have to deal with the personal impact on their lives, which is kids not necessarily being in school, losing loved ones themselves, and then still the thought that they may get COVID-19 and succumb to it. I had young nurses, okay, in their 20s who were writing their last will and testament. Mm. Because I, they still have the fear, and I don't blame them. Right. You know? I have a friend who's a teacher who's do, done the same thing. Um, You know, because, again, you you never know. And there is, opposed to what we thought originally, age is not, uh, doesn't eliminate you from getting it. There's so many stories I've heard about younger people who get it and they die in three days or Mm -hmm. they get it and then they feel better. And then all of a sudden, boom, they're just gone like they crash. They Um, crash. Yeah, that's exactly what does happen. You know, I had a nurse that told me a story about caring for a nurse anesthetist that had contracted COVID-19, and he was the father of four little boys. 
And he was young, you know, he was in his 40s, and they were working together on getting him well, and her dream was his dream, and that was the day that he would run into the arms of his family and get well. And she said she left him one day, you know, having, you know, a discussion around that plan, and the next day she came in and he had died during the night. And he got impeccable, wonderful, beautiful care from intensivists and intensive care nurses and intensive care respiratory therapists, but the disease is weird. It's different. We have not had it around long enough to have a tried and true treatment plan for it. It's much better now and it will get better over time. But really the magic bullet, there's a few of them in the chamber. It is following the science and it's getting vaccinated. So uh, there's been a lot. It's very hard for the healthcare professionals. Nursing is suffering. Before COVID-19, they were suffering from the knowledge gap, basically because of you know, senior nurses in the baby boomer age range retiring. And it's a knowledge acuity gap because the acuity of patients nowadays is much higher than it was in the past. So at the same time that people are retiring, taking knowledge and skill out of the workforce with them, patients were sicker and then COVID hit. And so it, it like exaggerated that multifold. So all of these, you know, brand new nurses coming into the workforce that we're having to bring in anyway because of the baby boomers retiring, we're having to hit the road running while their preceptors were running, trying to work through the acuity and the volume that accompanied the COVID population that we were seeing. You know, we pivoted and did a lot of things to take care of our new residents and the workforce that we have. Right now, we're dealing with a lot of nurses wanting to take travel assignments because there's a lot of money in it. And we have our own staffing agency, which is bringing in travelers to fill the gaps. It's kind of like a vicious cycle, but we're not going to let our nurses down out there on the front line. And they appreciate that. They also appreciate the PPE that we are allocating them, that we did allocate from day one where other healthcare systems didn't necessarily have it. So, you know, they're hanging on, but they're tired of it. You know, they're exhausted. They want to go back to provide care that produces results that are meaningful. And, you know, intermingled amongst those results that are very meaningful and happy endings are people that die. But right now, you know, that teeter-totter is imbalanced, and it's imbalanced on the side of COVID, and we don't like that. So I think in another year, we'll be a lot closer to where we want to be. And, you know, there's silver linings, Ellen. We will have learned a lot yes. um, from this. Like like our infection prevention measures that we should have always been practicing in our personal lives and in our professional lives, those are on steroids right now. And hopefully when the pandemic ends, we will hold on to some of those. They will just be part of our normal activities of daily living personally and professionally and will be healthier beings because of it. Our teamwork will be much better. The support staff that supports the frontline caregivers, they have stepped up. I have not heard somebody say, well, let me put you in line with all the rest of my projects. I have not heard that since March. And it's wonderful. The newly found respect of nurses as heroes is beautiful. That may serve us as far as recruitment into nursing um, and retention in nursing. I hope so. You know, some of that remains to be seen, but we've got to sort of capture all of those things and take advantage of them so that the lessons will be positive ones. Yeah. 
Uh, I know there's so much that's still unknown. We have no idea if there will be other mutations. We also don't don't know how many more vaccines will be approved, which could certainly speed up the process. And there's, what, like another three dozen or so that are in trials at the moment. So Yeah. There are a lot. I hope that, you know, the emergency use authorizations that we're, you know, benefiting from for the Pfizer and the Moderna, I'm hoping that the AstraZeneca one will be approved under an EUA and the F with the FDA. Johnson & Johnson has one coming. There are a lot. You're right. There are a lot. I mean, people do fear that because there's the perception that these vaccines were made in a hurry, that some of the safety precautions were skipped along the way, and they really weren't. You know, the amount of research that has been done has been probably even more in some cases on this vaccine than on others. A lot of resources were just shifted to this vaccine, and it made me comfortable enough to get it, you know, to be like raising my hand saying, I'll be first. You know, you have to just look at the studies. There were many more people involved in these trials than in some of the other vaccine trials outside of COVID-19. Well, that's how it was explained to me for those who were suspicious, oh, it's so fast, that because of the amount of money not only from the government, but that individuals donate, you know, Lady Gaga donating $35 million to help create a vaccine goes a long way toward increasing the number of people that you can bring on board to run the tests, to participate in the trials. And, you know, the way it was explained was essentially they were working 24-7 as opposed to eight hours a day. And that means you can turn it around in less than a year instead of three years. Right. No budgetary constraints, enough people to do the job. It's like kind of a dream world yeah. for a scientist, a mad scientist creating a vaccine. It was a dream world for them. Yeah. So, And we're benefiting from it now. So I just hope everybody gets it. You know, we are in a different place in history. I know that there are some people that were taken advantage of, some races were taken advantage of. Way back in history, they were experimented on. Yes. And that is horrible. It's horrible that that happened, but it is not that time now. And we just need to promote this amongst every age group. And the clinical trials actually took place amongst every age group, every race. And, you know, the results have been the same for everybody, 95% effective for these two. So, yeah, it's a wonderful thing. This is the first time in my life I've wished I was older so I could get the vaccine sooner. I know. I'm married to a 65-year-old who is not a health care provider. And this is the first time that I was glad I'm married to a 65-year-old because I was able to get him vaccinated. Oh, goodness. Isn't that crazy? Our whole world has just been turned upside down, but... You know, there are people who are coming together, and that, like you say, is a silver lining, and we are learning an awful lot, and I've got to believe that the research that's done for this will help translate into treatments for other respiratory illnesses, and not just the respiratory, but as the way I understand it is it sort of makes everything inside you explode. Yeah. So for other kinds of inflammatory diseases or any disease, anything that, you know, we learn something from that can translate to something else is a good thing. There's a lot of transferability here in a lot of our COVID care and our infection prevention measures. We just have to remember to pause and 
write these things down. We're so busy pushing through the crisis that I think we don't pause enough and reflect on those. And we need to pause and reflect to keep our energy level up to get up, like you say, and go out at the next day again. But we also need to do it and write it down so that we can fully leverage all of these lessons when we've have the time to look back on this. Okay, well, that's a great idea. And, you know, I'm told again and again, journaling helps soothe you anyway. It's a good calming technique. So, Mm -hmm. you know, go ahead, write down whatever you're feeling, whatever you learn from your treatment, your vaccine. And um, remember, mhs.net is where you can get all of this information, set up your my chart, and then you'll be able to schedule your appointment when more vaccines are available. And again, from today to tomorrow, it can all change and new appointments can become available. So just you stay on top of it, check in periodically with what's going on and you'll know when your turn is coming. That's beautiful, Ellen. Thank you. Yes, you got it. Maggie, thank you so much. Maggie Hansen. Wait, now I have to find your title again. <laughs> oh, Senior Vice President, Chief Nurse Executive for the Memorial Healthcare System. How long have you been with Memorial? For most of the year since 1983. I, I had a feeling it was okay. You are a tradition there. Um, yep, I'm a lifer here. I will never leave this healthcare system until I say they push me off the helipad in a wheelchair. Okay, <laughs> okay. Well, let's hope you, you. it's no wheelchair necessary. I um, hope so. But thank you so much for all this information, and let's stay in touch so as new things develop, we can let the listeners know. I just so appreciate your rational, scientific, fact-based take on things. Absolutely. It was my privilege to talk with you today. And thank you for for doing your homework and keeping all of your listeners up to date because you've certainly done a good job of that. Thank you. I appreciate it. Very well informed. Thank Thank you. you. Thank you again for listening this morning to Easy's Community Focus. If you have questions or would like to suggest a topic, you can email me at ellen at easy93.com. If you'd like to hear the program again, it will be on our website starting tomorrow at easy93.com. Join us again next Sunday at 6.50 for an all-new edition of Easy's Community Focus. Have a great day. You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k, and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com aware. Terms apply.